I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Brian Travers of UB40 fame. Brian had agreed to come onto the podcast for chat about his Irish roots growing up in a multicultural Birmingham, and of course, his band, UB40. We never did get to have that chat, Brian, but I'd like to thank Mark McCabe, who sorted out the, the introductions, and Brian had agreed to come onto the show, as I said. So, one love, Brian, to your family and friends, and thanks for the memories, and we'll play out of the show today with something from UB40. This is the Celtic Soul Podcast. I'm Andrew Millen and you're all very welcome back to the show. And in this episode, I'll be chatting to two people. Playwright Jim O. And all the fans will know Jim from Save Ourselves back in 1990, which kickstarted the campaign to get rid of the old board and paved the way for the Fergus McCann era and the stadium rebuild that we now sit in. And the stadium, of course, is rocking again. Thanks to the lockdown being finished and Celtic playing some magnificent football under Ange. But anyway, back to Jim. Jim is also the main man behind Bend It Like Bradback, Bend It Like Bertie, and Bend It Like Baxter comedy plays. A season ticket holder since 1988. Jim is also part of the wonderful charity Football Memories. And also joining me will be Des McLean, an award-winning comedian who has earned his stripes on stage, radio, and television. He's a Celtic fan, and next week he will tick off another from his bucket list when he takes to the stage in a Celtic play written by Jim like Bertie, which is not the story of Bertie Ald. And I believe, listen to the boys, it is going to be wonderful and three nights sold out already. And still, I think there's a matinee with some tickets left, but I'm sure Jim will tell us all about that when we chat. I'd like to thank Logan Salic Supporters Club up in County Armagh for the kindly sponsoring both the fanzine and the podcast. And thanks very much for sponsoring this episode of the podcast, all the crew up there in one of the finest drinking establishments in Logan. They have a wonderful Salic Supporters Club up there, uh, the envy of the rest of us here in Ireland. So, well done to them all. Keep it up and we'll bump into you in Glasgow, I'm sure. 
Folks, and if you would like to sponsor us, yeah, please get in contact with us via the website, social media, and you can email us at info And as you know by now, we are fully fan-funded, which enables us to produce free content across all our platforms. We don't have a Patreon, we don't go behind a paywall, and if you can't afford it, please support us by visiting SaliqFanzine.com where you can donate for the price of a pint. You can also support us by becoming a member, subscribing to the Fanzine, buying a copy of the Fanzine, a t-shirt or some merchandise at our online shop. We really do appreciate all the support you have given us over the past 20 years since we started our independent Celtic fan journey with more than 90 minutes Fanzine. And issue 116 is just out. All the subscribers should have it by now. And there's still some copies left if you want to buy one. Again, visit the website, SaliqFanzine.com. Thank you so much for the support. And folks, I'm delighted to say Celtic AM is coming back to Glasgow. We'll be back in September in a Glasgow City Centre pub. It's a new venue. We'll be we'll be straying away from Malone's. Um, and we'd like to thank Malone's for hosting us for uh, maybe four seasons, maybe more. Can't even remember when we kicked off uh, Celtic AM. But anyway... Put this date in your diary from Glasgow, the 11th of September. We'll be kicking off around 12 o'clock, finishing at 2, and then we'll be heading up to see Celtic play Ross County at Paradise. And I have to say, I'm looking forward to getting back to our pre-match ritual of a point and talking Celtic to a wide variety of guests. And I hope to see all the regulars moving with us and hopefully some uh, Celtic AM first timers and listeners maybe to this podcast. Don't forget, folks, you can find us across all social media platforms. The podcast is available across all platforms. And please visit our YouTube Celtic Fanzine channel where you'll find all our shows, including this podcast, Talk from the Terrace, Grand Isle History, and a couple of other bits and pieces. And they're also all available on CelticFanzine.com, as are all the podcasts. Well, folks, I have a nail left on my hands uh, after watching Celtic against Isaac Agma. Whew, what a game we were under a lot of pressure got the early goal conceded two poor poor goals Joe Hart made a couple of good saves and I was a relieved man like so many other Celtic fans when the final whistle blew but you know what it was the best team we played all season I know we're early in the season but they were a good team they put us under some pressure they pressed us and we came out of it on top because we had a really really good first leg and I tell you one thing the fans played their part in that one. Absolutely brilliant it was in the stadium that night. Uh, and I know there's a couple of Marcus Bain and a few other lads uh, were over at the away game undercover. So, uh, boy, Jesus, boys, you just picked a tough one to go to. But I hope you enjoyed it and you just got out safe. Uh, and uh, I look forward to seeing you on an away day soon. And I'm thinking maybe our first away day could be Livingston next month. So, hopefully, was we're... You know, there was so many steps. The first step was to get back to paradise. Then it was to get back to a full stadium. And we're almost full now. You know, the main stand area where the, the players are still sitting. But hopefully they'll be moving back into the dugout. And we'll uh, get those seats back as well. We've no seats for Rangers this week, unfortunately. Yeah, They, as usual, have spit the duty out of the pram. And uh, even though the allocation was very small anyway. But it would have been nice to have some Celtic fans now. It's going to be another tough game. We'll see how far we've come under Ange now when we take on our arch rivals and the new club. But anyway, folks, uh, let's just get stuck into me to me conversation with the guests then. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Jim O and Des McLean. I'm joined on this episode of the Celtic Soul podcast by Scottish comedian Des McLean and playwright Jim O. 
Jim has been a Celtic season ticket holder since 1988, and all the listeners will remember Jim from the Save Ourselves campaign back in 1990, which kicked off the pressure to remove the old board. Jim is also the man behind the Bended Like plays, and his latest episode, Bended Like Bertie, kicks off at the Webster Theatre in Glasgow on September the 2nd. Des McLean will need little introduction to many of our listeners. Des is an award-winning comedian who has earned his stripes on TV, radio and stage. Hello boys, you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. Jim, firstly, can I kick off with you? Uh, and please bring us up to date on the new play, which we're all looking forward to seeing. Ben on Bertie kicks off the second of September to the fourth of September. Actually sold out for the three nights. We've had to add a, an extra matinee on Saturday the fourth, so there's still some tickets left for that. Uh, ben on Bradback, as you said, the follow up to Ben on Bradback, which went down pretty well with uh, the Celtic fans, uh, ended up playing at the SCC, which was quite surreal. Uh, so once once I'd finished that one, uh, the next one I thought when when you're a Celtic fan, you're writing Celtic plays, you've tons of choice. Basically, so pick a year, pick a trophy, pick a person. So ended up going for 1965 in the Scottish Cup run. And uh, when you start to research it, you realise how big a part Bertie all played. So uh, once it was going to have written, they realise it, what they call this Bender like something. And you're looking for something that starts with a B, hopefully two syllables. So Bender like Bertie was a bit of a gift. So we go with Bender like Bertie. Uh, I could have virtually finished the first draft. And I meet Mr. McLean for the first time. And uh, on his bucket list, he tells me, is it must have been a Celtic play. So I say, I'm writing something called Bender at Bertie. And he says, oh, hi. So uh, I go home and then five minutes later, uh, so I get home, there's a message and it's from Mr. McLean. So I phone him back and he was five minutes, full on Bertie old impersonation. Just unbelievably good. So that that planted a wee seed because although the storyline didn't change, you think, hold on, I can actually have Bertie Old in this play, actually somebody who sounded exactly like Bertie Old. So that, that kind of changed that a wee bit. So it's not the Bertie Old story, I must emphasise that, because a number of people said today, so I can't wait to see the Bertie Old story. It's not the Bertie Old story. Uh, the Tommy Burns story is on in a couple of months' time, which I'm going to go to see, looking forward to that, and that's a Tommy Burns story. This isn't a Bertie Old story. And I, I tried to describe it to someone a few weeks ago, and I said, if you imagine there's a new... James Bond film comes out and Bertie Old's in the James Bond film and he's double O ten thirty. that's kind of what it's like he just appears now and again we do a wee homage to Bertie at the start but after that he, he he becomes a character within the play jumping in and out and Des does this phenomenal impersonation of Bertie so even though it's like in a madcap comedy Des just has to open his mouth as Bertie and it's it's, it's, it's it's unreal how how accurate it is okay Des give us a little bit of Bertie See, he's built it up now to be awesome, and it's, it's all right. right. People will be going, that, that, that's nothing like him. No, uh, the reason, before I move on to that, I actually saw, the reason that the Celtic play was on my bucket list was because I saw the the last, the very last, I kept, I was always gigging, I was always doing gigs when Jim had asked me to go and see the brilliant Bendit Lit Bratback. And then uh, everyone was talking about it, and I saw the last night, remember, in the intimate Gracie's in the Merchant City, lovely. Remember, Jim, the yes. that, that that very last show, and, and it felt very special because it was a, it was just a small venue, intimate crowd. This is a, a play that's been to the the big SCCC, which is the big venue in Glasgow, and, and you're seeing it; it's amazing. And I and my wife loved it. She knows nothing about football. My wife, she knows nothing. She she doesn't bother. 
Although she's fed up with me saying I'm on the Anne's train this year and going on and on about it and all that. So, um, but it's, it's, so I saw that and then when I left, my wife loved it. She thought it was amazing. She was going, oh my, that, that whole season, what a roller coaster going up and down to stop the 10 and all that. And I said, that's it. That's it. I, I really, really want to be in a Celtic play now. I, I need to be. Life's too short. That is on my bucket list. I need to be. Then I contacted Jim and then the Bendit Liberty thing. And I thought, this is fate because I was, I've met Bertie loads of times. I've done gigs with him. We've done charity nights and local pubs in the East End. I mean, tough, tough pubs, Celtic pubs, right down to like the Hilton Hotel. But also, I did Vegas with Bertie, Las Vegas with Bertie. Bertie was Mr. Vegas over there. He loved it. And uh, I did this gig and I sat next to him on the plane for 10 hours coming back from Vegas. And Bertie was sitting there telling me all the stories. You know, and uh, you know, what do you think then? Is who? What do you think of Messi and Ronaldo? Listen, son, listen. See these players. Jinky could pass the ball into the net, right? See, see, thing is, listen. See, sixty-seven. We were standing there in the tunnel. We're standing in the tunnel. Sandro Mazzola. Sandro Mazzola. They were like, they were like film stars. It was like Hollywood. You see, we were we were white. We were white as a sheet. They were all tanned. They did the, the, the teeth. The white teeth. Oh, I think Jim Craig was doing a wee bit of work on them. <laughs> and then all oh, your teeth won Ronnie Simpson's bonnet. It was magnificent. It was magnificent, son. You see, and I'm looking at them all. Sandro Mazzola. He looked like Omar Sharif. They all looked like film stars. <laughs> oh, and then I looked at Wee Jinky and I looked at Ronnie and I looked at Big Caesar. Big Caesar was magnificent. Magnificent. And then I just stood and I looked at them. My chest puffed out. And that's when I went, hail, hail. And I know you two were nearly joining in there. So what's it going to be like when the whole, <laughs> the whole uh, audience join in? So it was just it was just a brilliant entertainer. And even when he's, he's standing there, you've seen all the videos and he's standing, you know, doing his jokes and all that, you know. And he's like, hey, let me tell you, let, let me tell you something, right? Big, tiny Wharton, what a man, what a character he was. Oh, oh, oh. He was 54 years of age. And he'd never seen his shoes in 50 years. Oh, like that, right, like that, right. Ah, oh, what a... And he came running over towards me, not with any great pace, I hasten to add, right? <laughs> and he said, and I knew it was going off. I knew it was going off. And he was having a howler. He was having a shocker of a game. Shocker of a game. And he turns around to me and he says, right, right, you. And I says, hold on a minute. I says, see if I called you a bastard, would you send me off, Mr. Wharton? And he went, of course I would. Nobody calls me a bastard. I said, what if I just thought you were a bastard? Would you send me off? I went, no, I couldn't because you just think it. I says, well, I think you're a bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Some man, so he is. Big tiny. What a man. What a character. But everybody that he, he talks to, he, he will talk about like, like, very, very fondly. Like, Jimmy McGrory, Mr. McGrory, what a man. Camel coat, Ooty Slaters. It's a shop that's very much revered here in Scotland. Uh, <laughs> and anyway, always immaculate. Slaters. So, I mean, immaculate, beautiful man. Beautiful man. And then we'd walk onto the bus on a Saturday night and they'd all be singing Charlie, Charlie Tully. And Charles Patrick Tully would have the wee soft hat on and ah, it's beautiful man, beautiful man. And Jimmy McGrory said to me, he says, son, signing on fee, 20 pounds. Pan Muir Thistle, they were even offering that. And he turned around and he says to me, he says, son, have you ever seen a new 20 pound note? I said, I've not even seen an old gin. Some carry on, some carry on. I promise you, what a carry on. Right, there you go. <laughs> Brilliant. What can you say, Andrew? Uh, uh, how do you follow that? That's just throwing the whole podcast off. Right, finish it now, podcast now because people just go, oh, well, we've seen the that's whole it. thing. That's that. But there's, uh, there's an actual, 
you're, you're Sally Cadrangens, right? How important, because you've been on stage, you've been, yeah. you know, you've been in the theatres before, you, you've been on TV, been on radio, and, you know, you said the Celtic play was on your bucket list. So how important is it as, as a Celtic boy to, 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 to be involved in this, apart from the arts end of it? Just as a, well, obviously as a lifelong Celtic fan, it's the one thing, it doesn't matter if you're Billy Conley, Kevin Bridges, you know, Martin Compson, any, we all have that, that bond that they, we're Celtic fans. It doesn't matter who you are. And for anybody to get asked to appear in, in a production like this, and you know it's going to be a real labour of love. You know, you know, you, and you know that it's uh, the last cast for uh, Bendit Le Brat back, they were all Celtic, they were all Celtic fans through and through. And uh, it does help, you know, you don't have to be one, but it really does help. And it's just going to be so enjoyable walking out there with a whole Celtic audience and playing Bertie. And as Jim says, it's not the Bertie old story, but there's plenty of Bertie in it. There's plenty. And it starts off with Bertie telling all these lovely wee anecdotes and stories that you've probably heard many times. And then Bertie kind of, <laughs> he's all the way through here and there with a special, special role in the play that, that's a lot of fun. And it's very, very funny. Very, very funny play all the way through. Not just the Bertie but Very funny. Yeah, Jim, the, when I had you on Saturday AM, our pre-match show uh, in Glasgow, w- you came on, but then you also brought in the cast from from Bandalook Bratpack, and that does come true, Des, because the love of Celtic and actually being in, I suppose, something that they had, they had a connection with that wasn't professional. It was like, it was, it was a real personal connection they had with the play. And I think then, because of how well it was received, like, Jim, did you expect it would be, would be just so much loved by, by the fans not in a million years Andrew uh, just to pick up the point you made there about why it's good to have Celtic fans involved because uh, these things change very quickly and I had a cast and two months before the first time we stayed being that back all three people fell away to do other things and we ended up with the three cast members that we had and we won a watch because they were massive Celtic fans compared to the three before. Now, the three before that we had were, were no, uh, in terms of acting ability, you know, they, they weren't any worse than the three we had, but you had the passion of the three that we had because one of the people who was going to do it, the guy who was going to play Tam, who was like off his head, is an Inverness fan. So, I said to him one day, I said, look, you know, this is, this is them going for the 10, right? This will be a disaster for Celtic fans. You need to understand how big this is. And I'm saying, imagine your wife gets killed in a car crash, right? This is worse. <laughs> this is worse, right? Because, you know, if we don't stop them doing this 10, you know, it'll be a disaster forever. Well, not a few weeks, a few months, but for all eternity. So do you get that? So when Laurie does this harm, I mean, you don't have to explain that to him. He gets that. This is going to be an absolute nightmare. So we did a couple of nights in Webster's uh, as a rehearsed reading. That's when the guys have got the scripts. And it went down really well, really, really well. And thanks to people like yourself and, and other bloggers and tweeters and stuff like that who helped to publicise the play. We go back and do five nights at uh, Webster's. And uh, James McInerney, better like Desmond McLean, knows everyone in the whole world, knows everyone involved with Celtic. So so James uh, knew someone who had a bit of money behind him and he suggested putting on the SEC, which was just like, mind-blowing. So... What I've always considered to be this week in a daft story, Ben, like brought back on the SEC, and it's quite surreal. You're in the SEC because when you go into the SEC, there's like TV monitors just at the entrance there. So the, so the first two was like, yeah, Rod Stewart, Rod Stewart, 
little mix, little mix, Bainley Bradback, Bainley Bradback. So it's just, it's just it's bonkers, mm. you know. We had, to, we had to make a few, make a way through the little mix fans to get to the kind of earlier bit, you know. So it was just, just bonkers. And the fact that it went down so well, then I suppose this one had to be just as good. So that's a bit of a Pepsi challenge. Will this one be as good? It's similar, but it's different in terms of how I've spoken about before. There's kind of three Fs to do with this. There's kind of fact, fiction, and fantasy. So we brought back, the facts are brought back were that season, 97, 98, which you'll remember because you're old enough to remember that. Then there was a fictional part of that, which was a fictional family, what they were going through that season. And then there was a fantasy part of that. And I remember you sent someone along to review it and they actually said the fantasy bit. And I said, put that out, Andrew. Get rid of that. Which we did. That's the fantasy bit. Because if you, if, you, if you tell people that, that won't be such a surprise because when that bit comes, as is, is, is Dead say, people went, whoa, you know, didn't see that coming. In the same way that Bertie has got the three elements as well. So, so the fact is that 1965 season. And for people like me and you and Des, we are too young, even though we're quite old. We are too young for that. So it's a bit of a, a lesson in Celtic's history. This is how it worked. Here's the facts. In the fiction, here's a family. It's a made-up story. In the fantasy, which I can't tell you about, you need to come and see it. Because the facts, but again, people will say, you know, like, OMG, WTF, what's this about? You know, and it's certainly bonkers. Uh, and at times you wonder where people will get the facts this is funny because it's bonkers, or this is just too bonkers. So when I sent the script to Des, Des thought it was really, really fun. So he gets it. He gets the bonkers bit. And I think what we've tried to do over the past year, because we've actually, we've actually meant to stage it this time last year. And obviously COVID came in, got in the way. Then it's going to be last, it's going to be me there. Still couldn't do it. So we're just delighted actually to get, to get the thing on. Uh, uh, because we've waited so long to do it. So, the fantasy about people again, once, once, once Des does this bit, it'll be this, whoa, sort of thing. What we tried to do over, over the past year is add more and more bonkersy bits to it. And I've tried to take advantage of the fact that Des is such a good impressionist that what else could we add in here that would make this even more bonkers than it already is? So it's incredibly bonkers and hopefully people will get it. Uh, and if they do, then it'll do really, really well. Is that a fair comment, Mr. McLean? Oh, they'll get it. I know that as a writer, you've always got these these wee concerns and all that, but they they will go with this this incredible roller coaster ride all the way through. It is, but I think the, the, Bertie kind of steers kind of steers it all the way through, if you know what I mean. And it is it's hard to explain, but once you see it, 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 it we just uh, it'll all fall into place. It's, it really is fantastic. I'm really looking forward to 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 appearing in this and being Bertie and see how Bertie goes down and. And stuff like that, but it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a cracking play right to the very end, and it's got it all, hasn't it? It's very funny, right? I mean, it's got to be very funny, and it's uh, it's it's nostalgic, it's uh, emotional, and it's a, it's a must for every Celtic fan, young and old, yeah. And as how like how I got through COVID was, it was looking forward to stuff, you know, and the full step, you know, was to get back for a point, you know, then it was to get back for a point indoors, and then it was back to get back to Glasgow. And then it was to get into the stadium. And now it's, i done my first DJ gig recently and it was a silent disco because that was a way of getting around 
because we're, we're kind of behind Scotland at the moment. And we done a Saturday night and it was sold out and everyone had a pod and they were allowed to dance on the pod. And there was three DJs on, so they had three channels, three different types of music. And it was just, I've never seen people, it was as if they'd never been out before. But they all stayed, mm-hmm. they played by the law. They stayed in the little area and the place was absolutely bonkers. And to see people enjoying themselves again was uh, amazing. And another step on that journey will be people who go to theatre. And I think this play will bring in people that don't go normally go to theatre because there's comedy in it. And then obviously coming on the back of the the Bratback one, you know, there's, 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 there's an appetite with it because, as Jim said, it's sold out. Like the first run is sold out by the by the matinee now, which has been added. But for mm-hmm. you, Des, you know you've been doing stuff, uh, you know, on on Zoom. And how mm-hmm. important is it for you now? It's not not only is it something that was on your bucket list, but you're now getting back on stage to entertain, which is your job. It's incredible. Um, as you as we mentioned earlier on, I, I I was doing Zoom gigs in this very room. For a year and a half, uh, Jim tuned in to some of them, and they were really good. They were very prof- as good as a, a Zoom can be, you know. At first, uh, we hated them. Comedic, we'd heard all these horror stories on. No, you know, you're talking to nobody. You're getting no feedback. And uh, I remember the first one. I was uh, hitting the, them, the, the audience with all my big guns, and uh, <laughs> this wee woman. How you could see everybody. At first, we didn't realise what we were going into because we just heard that there's no laughter. But there's, you know, a, a big comedy club in Scotland was, was doing them and they had to pre-record them. So how can you pre-record a performance and expect to ride the, the, the laughter? So that didn't work. So this first night when I'm doing it live, there's a woman, and a wee woman in Bishop Briggs in Glasgow, and she's just shaking her head and shaking her head. When I was on, I'm thinking, is she, is she shaking her head at me? And then we spotlighted her for the, the viewers. That means, obviously, just put her on the full screen. I thought, maybe she's got a wee facial tick, a wee nervous thing. And she just turned around and she said... To think I gave up my Saturday night for this shite. <laughs> it just switched me off. <laughs> and I thought, that's what you call an instant review, you know. So she became actually, uh, it became a running gag and we got her back on and she said, oh, I didn't know I could be heard. I went, I know you didn't. You know, she didn't know and, and she'd had an argument with her man. She wanted to watch some. So that, that was the, this new thing with Zoom where, where you were suddenly, you know, in all these people's living rooms. And then it, it became really, I hated it at first and then it became really good. The audience became house trained. But then, it just obviously, it, it, it was obvious, you know, it was the only thing we could do. It was the only thing we had. And uh, then we start, I started a beer garden tour and just to see real people again. Oh my God, me and another wee Celtic fan, comedian, the brilliant Susie McCabe. And we were like, I was very emotional. The first night with the beer garden, I was actually nearly in tears because real people, you weren't looking at them through a screen. I know Zoom was good at the time, but to see real people... Ah, you know, the, the, the whites, the, you know, smiling away. It was just amazing, incredible. So now the fact, that, so that was just a beer garden and then we were allowed to go indoors. And then the first time I went back indoors again to see real people inside, it was like a big chunk of normality. And then, you know, and the sound is bouncing off the walls. And I felt we're back, we're back, we're nearly there. We're nearly there. There's a big light at the end of the tunnel. And now the fact that we're going back into a theatre with this, and you're right, theatre goers will go and see it. Celtic fans will obviously go and see it. Comedy fans will come and see it. So it's for everyone. And you're right, it's not going to just be theatre goers who, oh, what's on at the theatre today? This looks like a nice me. It'll be, it'll bring a whole different batch of people to, to this play. That's a good thing. Um, but I, I can't wait. And for many reasons, like the, the one that you said as well, just to get back inside and perform 
and the, the big chunk of normality is back. You know, just seeing people out there in front of you again. So it's that as well. It's, uh, you know, having not performed for 18 months and then to be doing this is going to be incredible. That's brilliant. Jim, um, on the serious side, you know, you call the play Bender like Bertie. It's not, it's not the Bertie story. But I know mm-hmm. that, you, like, Des, I know you've you've performed with Bertie and you've met Bertie so many times. I'm sure you have as well, Jim. He sat behind me in Satley Park for the last couple of seasons and he was mm-hmm. he lived, breathed and kicked every ball that Celtic mm-hmm. and I remember the time with the Green Brigade done the display where they came out with the with the fireworks out uh, with the flags. He was mm-hmm. just he was made up and the foot I remember mm-hmm. around the first time of the sixty seven the lights made up. Mm-hmm. And it's just sad now that like so many of the of the players that um he he's been diagnosed with um dementia and um, yeah. It, it, it's close to me now because it's just come into our family as well. So it's going to, um, around the same time, you know, we started noticing little mm-hmm. things. So yeah, it, it, it's quite, so I'm delighted that um, someone does a pound from each ticket sold going to the uh, football memories because we had them in on Saturday AM yep. as well. And they're an amazing group. And it doesn't, you know, yep. th- as they said, we don't really need money. We just need people to give up their time. And I just thought that was just an amazing um it's just an amazing little touch that adds to um, the kind of Bertie story now, you know, which wasn't, well, which wasn't meant fact, to be. Uh, the first time I heard about football memories was at, was at Celtic AM when big Simon Weir came in and spoke about it. And I thought, I need to get involved in this because I'd retired a couple of years ago and I'd had a whole lot, a list of things I was going to do. And I thought, that's right up my street. And also the fact it was based at Hamden. And I live a few streets from Hamden. So after I'd seen Simon... On that, I went and found a bit more information about it, and it's a phenomenal thing. Football memories, a very simple thing, like lots of most good ideas are quite, are quite, are, are quite simple things. So I've been involved in that. I go to a care home. Well, before COVID, I go to a care home once a week up in Silverburn, and uh, there's about half a dozen elderly gentlemen that you talk to, and there's a mixture of one or two are just you know they just don't get anything at all. One or two there's a wee bit, and one or two actually do get it. And you say something that kind of sparks a bit of a memory and before you know it. They're talking about how they got to Aberdeen and uh, what pubs they drank in and all that kind of stuff. And we've been, I mean, we met Bertie last year. Des and I met Bertie this time last year because we thought, well, I thought, uh, we're putting on a play called Bender like Bertie. We better actually tell him this is coming on just in case he wonders what's all this about. Uh, so we meet Bertie and one of the things you do in football memories is you get a box of football cards with photographs of old players. So you basically sit at Football Memories and you'll show a card and then one of the residents, if they can get it, they'll say, well, that's Jim Baxter. Would you remember Jim Baxter? And then off they go and start to chat about it. So I thought when we meet Bertie, I'm actually about, going to bring my cards with me. And when we met Bertie, there was a week in a 15-minute spell where Bertie's son, Robert, who's a lovely, lovely man, he to go and pick up his wife and then Desi to make a phone call. So I'm sitting in my cards and the first card I've got is Bertie, obviously. So it's me and Bertie Old. I've never, never met Bertie Old before. I know you've met him a number of times, but 2020 was a difficult year, but I met Bertie Old. <laughs> you know, so that was a highlight for me. And that 10, 15 minutes where Des went away and then Robert went away, it's just me and Bertie Old. And I'm chatting to Bertie Old. And I'm telling him about football memories. And he's dead interested, as he is about everything. He's one of these guys who, you know, he, he just, you know, you've only got to say something. And he wants to know more about it. 
what is that, son? How does that work, son? So I got my box of cards and Bertie's at the front of it. So I take the first one up and I put it in front of him and I say, remember him? And I can't do the dead's voice, but he says, handsome man, handsome man, what a player, what a player. So, so we then go through other cards as well. Charlie Tully's there and Jinky's there and Billy McGill. And then some of the guys that he's played against, oh, he's a dirty big bastard him. Oh, it's totally surreal. You're sitting, Lisbon line, Bertie old, and then Des come back and I'm trying to say to him, Peter, Peter, I'm talking to Bertie, Peter, because I'm just here, you know. So he was dead interested in old football memories thing. It's tragic that, you know, he's now been diagnosed with dementia. But it's a fantastic project. And if you raise a couple of bog uh, at the play is great. There's a thing called a memory box that they have. I don't know if you know the memory box where I think they cost about 250 quid each. But it's basically a big box stuffed with kind of like oldie football stuff. So there's a, a kind of ball, the kind of leather ball with the kind of laces on it. The old football boots with the cock studs that hammered into it. Uh, the old rickety thing they had at the games. Uh, a Bovril for the smell. Dubbing. All that kind of stuff. So a memory box costs about 250 quid. Hopefully we can buy maybe three or four memory boxes and towards football memory. So it's good that we part to it as well. And also the fact is, is how the play kicks off is about, uh, well, the actual play is about a 50-year-old female Celtic fan uh, and divorced, two teenage kids, stressful job, and her dad is, is in the early stages of Alzheimer, and she's taken him to football memories. And that football memories is Bertie Old. And that's how it starts. That's how it kicks off. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a real tie-in with the whole kind of Alzheimer's and then dementia in terms of trying to raise a bit of money and it's also in the play as well. So that'll raise awareness a wee bit about football memory. So that's a that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it it is, Jim. And um, I'm delighted to hear that it was true Saturday AM that you heard about the football memories and you got involved. But yeah. we, we all have so many football memories. So um I'll kick it out to Des first and then I'll go to you, Jim. Just a little memory from you were growing up, Des and who stood out? Who was your birdie? Um, can I just say uh, a wee point about just Jim was saying there, when Jim was putting the card down before I was away chatting to Robert, it was amazing what those pictures sparked. Although his brain was a wee bit muddled, he was going, I see him there. I stiffened him when I was, we played against him at Burnley. I went and stiffed it. I said, and I went, it sparked off all these other details. Remember, he was going, and I ran, and I see, I just see him. Oh, he's a dirty, and he booted me in the back of the leg, and I went, and I went, oh, I banjoed him back, and all that. So it did spark off. Remember, he was telling you about all these, these, these things. So <laughs> it, it, it was amazing that that little thing just went bang, and it, it sparked up all the detail. Um, memories, um, oh. It, there, I mean, there's so many. Obviously, uh, as far back, obviously, Larson was the most incredible player. Before that, I, I didn't really see much of uh, uh, Douglas, but he obviously, uh, Douglas and Larson were the, were, the, were the big two for me. I know Jinky was revered that he was before my time. But I just think that season when Martin O'Neill came, and, uh, you know, we had been in the shadow for so long, and then I'll not, I'll not forget, I was down there. And uh, O'Neill, you know, I, I, will, I will do everything in my power to bring success to this football club. I will bring everything in my power, you know, when, when I, when, you know, to bring success 
to this this football club, I will. And then everybody went, whoa, and we were like, we know you will. It was that quiet confidence. And then obviously the, the signings all started to come in, you know, the, you know Sutton and all that. And everybody, the, the Rangers are so cocky as Sutton, he's a dud, he's a dud. And then, like, you know, when Larson just get better and better, and then, you know, he turned Petrov into a, with, with everybody, you know, into a player the way that Big Angers with players at the moment. So, so that, that whole, that whole, uh, Seville, it was Le- it was Lenin that got me the ticket for Seville and all that. What what I, I mean, that was just incredible as well. And I sat next to his dad and stuff like that. So um, that whole time, O'Neill, and then after that, it was kind of a when Rogers came, it was so similar, wasn't it? You know, to turn us around. And uh, you know, what, what, uh, the bold Rogers came as well, and it was very similar. There was even more thirteen, fourteen thousand down at Parkhead to see him. So you know, we really went for that. And Rogers football was sensational. I know we were playing against a poor Rangers team, beating them, we were taking five off them at every opportunity. Wonderful. Uh, it was wonderful, yes. And I remember when we got, remember when we got them, we got drawn against them in the semi-final. They were all cheering, all these videos of them all cheering, yes, we've got Selic, and then we pumped them 4-0. It was just like, how, you know, I mean, we just getting better and better and better. But the, the current, at the moment, this reminds me, I don't remember Rogers' team, I'm not getting carried away, but I do not remember Rogers' team, even Rogers' team, being as fast as this. This is incredible. This is like pinball. It's scintillating. It keeps me. It's just there was a point when I was watching the game last week, and my wife went, "What's happening?" I went, "I don't. I can't keep up with it. You're just watching a badder." And I thought, "This is incredible." And and the, you know, and it's six nil, six nil again. And you're seeing guys like a badder. You know, and you're thinking these guys. He's just brought these players in, and they have just hit the ground running. Nobody in their wildest dreams would have thought that the turnaround was going to be like this. So it's just, you know, I went from O'Neill to Rogers to the bold Ange. And before I come on, whilst we were waiting, just before uh, you send in there's a link there, I just went on to Celtic and they're all saying, you know, uh, w- would you swap Ange been here for the 10 and all that? So it just shows you how much of a an impression this guy's made in such a short space of time. Nobody in their wildest dream, he's got no backroom stuff. <laughs> he's just come in here. He's his comfortable jumper, you know, and he's, <laughs> he's, 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 he's awkward, you know, looks, you know, and, you know, oh, hold on a minute. Somebody's, sorry, sorry, somebody's banging on my door. Can we edit this? Somebody's <laughs> we can, actually, yeah, we can. can we edit this? Sorry. It's not me. No. no, no, hold on. Right, wait a minute. I was just at the point, Angie's jumper for the edit point. Hold on. He's some man, isn't he? Unbelievable. Really, really. So that's the thing about this, Andrew, that, all he has to do is open his mouth as Bertie and people will laugh. We might even Forget keep this we might even keep this pad in. <laughs> Aye, no. Forget a script. The bit that Dave did there. Oh, you go, sorry. Back to Dave. The guy came to the door, right? And he was delivering something and he went, I went, I'm I'm working here. And he went, I know, I could hear the noise there. It sounded good. And he went like that and hands me the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, a guy he got, a, he got a live never mind all your Zoom I got a live front row ticket there son you were doing your <laughs> you were doing your impersonations there son who, who, who was I, I was Big Ange right <laughs> so uh, somebody's not somebody's not put their phone off so that uh, me. right hold on what was going to say uh, Ange yeah so we Ange went jumper from, we went for Big Ange the, the, you know the Big Ange looks as though you know he's, he's got that jumper on as if he's you know he's, he's, he's He's meeting the the son's new girlfriend, you know, just going down the time. He's just Mr. Casual. It's incredible what's happening at the moment. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, the turnout, none of us, none of us, there's not one of us. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. That 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 when Ange came, we were all going, oh, 
Oh, that, that's second best. Always a bridesmaid. It's second best. We wanted, you know, we wanted you. We wanted uh, Eddie Howe. We wanted Eddie Howe. Thank God we never got Howe. Thank God Howe shat it. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God for Eddie Howe shating it. Yeah, that bit. For Eddie Howe being <laughs> no, such be a shite bag. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, he swore earlier on. I was keeping it clean. I didn't swear. You did? Did I? Ah, you swore. Uh, listen, I've got a wee... You said bastard. I can't hear. Did I? Oh, did I? You did. Okay. Jim, uh, it's a shame Andrew's like that was going so Jim, well does until, it... the Am- until the Amazon guy came to the door. It was going so well. Jim, there's a full episode in um, your time supporting Celtic, especially with the Save Ourselves and that, which, which, you know, was the first step of getting rid of the old board and to the new stadium we have now. So, but that's for another another episode because we're here to talk about the play. But Jim. Um, I'm a massive boxing fan and I know that you've got um, a Tommy Gilmore or the Gilmore dynasty um, coming yeah. up uh, and I'm looking here it's Rocky Balboa it's it's there ain't no parlor there ain't no parlor came with a shot the parlor <laughs> you ain't getting no shot at the title and that's final you're a disgrace to the sport there ain't no parlor I want to fight this guy well you can fight him but you can fight him without me but what do you mean I've got 10 title V. Yes, but they was handpicked. This guy, this guy, he ain't going to kill you. This guy, he ain't going to kiss you. He's a wrecking machine. I'll punch. No, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Jim, please bring us up to date with the um, the Tommy Gilmore and the Gilmore Boxing Dynasty. Um, is it a play? Des McLean plays Tommy Gilmore, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and Rocky Balboa. <laughs> he plays everything. Basically. Tommy Balboa. Uh, just... Just before we go into Tommy Gilmore one, just to get back to Bertie a wee second, uh, you were asking Des about players that, that, he, that he liked back in the day. One of the fun things about the play is actually having a go at players because what you didn't have 50 years ago was social media and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. And if we had it back then, all these iconic players would have got slaughtered back in the day because when you actually look at the results, because... Within the play, it goes from January 65 to April 65. And we end up eighth that season. And most of the games in that period, we don't win. You know, so between every scene, I put up some scores, the last scores we had, etc. You know, and the fans weren't happy. So one of the kind of real, the real fun elements of the play thing is having a go at these players. Right. So, like, you know, Big John Hughes, I think, shout. He was crap. Steen, Steen's a clown, you know, so, because that's what people would have said at the time. One of the characters is basically, there's no time for Steen, you know, so, can actually fight when Steen takes over, the results aren't too clever, you know, and you get to the cup final, and he doesn't play Jimmy Johnson in the cup final. So you imagine, you're at the 65 cup final, and the team comes through, and Jimmy Johnson's not playing. What's your reaction to that? You know, so, I find that a lot of fun, to get back and try and visualise, think, what would people think back there at the time? So that's a wee bit about, <laughs> you know, because any any football player that I've ever seen, all you've got, any, any Celtic player, all you've got to do is mention a player's name and people start clapping. You know, Billy McNeil, whoa, Billy McNeil, when they'll start singing his name. There's none of that kind of stuff in it. It's the opposite of that. You know, you're having a go at players. Because I think, uh, I think the semi-final game, we played Motherwell, I mean, Neil makes a real mess of the first goal. So they're slaughtering them, basically. So you're trying to go against the grain a wee bit. And I think that's why a lot of people like Brat back because a lot of that, because even 
when, when, we, when we actually mentioned Harold, you know, it wasn't in a good light, you know. Looks like an accountant. Looks like an accountant. You know, you know, couldn't you accuse us of a, couldn't you accuse us of a banjo, etc., etc. So anyway, Tommy Gilmore, yeah, hopefully that'll go in next year. That's 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 the plan. Uh, it's a bit of a departure. I know nothing about boxing. So I've watched a ridiculous amount of boxing DVDs and red boxing books. And uh, I met Tommy a few times. What actually happened was uh, I got asked on to off the ball. BBC Scotland off the ball. And he was the other guest. And it turns out he's about 70 years older than me. He went to the same schools as I went to. Lived in the area that I lived in. And he told me that he had a biography about 10 years before and didn't like it. It wasn't, wasn't as good as it should have been. What's to that effect? And I'd written my first play that never been on anywhere. And I said, do you ever think about getting a play about your life story, Tommy? And he said, well, that's a brilliant idea. And then from then, uh, he came to see Bratback, loved it. And he says to me, when are you doing this play about me then? So I met him a few times. Uh, and there was, a, there was a fight in 1992. Pat Clinton won the World Championship in the Kelvin Hall in Glasgow. And that was uh, Tommy Gilmore's first World Champion. And that was the biggest night of his life, the first world champion. So it's, it's based around that fight. So he's there watching the fight and also talking to the audience about the Gilmore dynasty. So I met Tommy a few times and we've watched that fight as well so I could get his comments. And- now, lads, I always have uh, all my guests that come on to the show climb into me, Celtic Soul, Time Machine. Uh, now, you can go back to a football moment or a, a life moment or maybe... Uh, a rock and roll moment, if you've had one. So, I'll start with you first, Jim. As playwright, where does where does Jim go back to if he jumps into the time machine? A time machine days, eh? A time machine. That's, that's interesting, a, isn't it? That's interesting. That's interesting. Andrew would say time machine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting. Where would I get back to? Uh, the 60s. I'm always fascinated by the 60s. I just missed the 60s. Uh, I was born in 59, so I didn't, wasn't old enough to kind of uh, understand all the stuff that was happening. Uh, when I wrote Ben Elliott Baxter in 1967, uh, it was going to be about Lisbon, but then I thought, well, everyone would write plays about Lisbon for the, the 50th anniversary. But I thought 67 was such a fascinating year, socially, politically, musically, football-wise, the whole thing. It was a real high watermark for Scottish football, you know, and because you're a football fanatic, uh, and if you look at Scottish football just now, it's just, you know, it's just miles away from what we used to be. And, and back then, you know, teams like Celtic could win the European Cup. And we talk about 67 in that 67 year. Rangers lost the Cup Winners' Cup final that season. Kilmarnock got knocked out in the semi final of the Fairs Cup, which is the Europa League or the old Europa League. Dundee United beat Barcelona, home and away. Scotland go to, uh, Wembley and beat the world champions 3-2 so that was a time if you're a football fanatic that was the real high watermark whereas just now Scotland is a national team we're nowhere Celtic is a team we're nowhere we're never going to win the Champions League you know, but back then a much simpler time and I think that also comes out in the play it's a much simpler time getting a link in there it's a much simpler time people did enjoy themselves maybe not it was just different and I'm sure it's, it's not as good as you might, uh, I might paint out to be, but it was a much simpler time. And I think uh, the world moves very, very quickly. You know, things like social media, you have to run very fast to, to sort of keep up. So I'd, I'd like to get back to a more simpler time. Uh, 
sometime in the mid-60s, I think. Uh, I'd like to be 18, 19 year old in 1967. I think that'd be, that'd be a good thing to do. Because also we can come out the Second World War. I mean, a lot of younger people are very much like their parents. But when you got to that late 50s, early 60s, you know, they become individuals in, in their own rights. So it's a very long-winded answer of saying, you're back to the mid-60s. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. And you, Des? Um, <laughs> it was just when you said time machine, I just saw uh, Jim thinking, how it? Um, <laughs> we'll get back to this wee bit when you see the play. Okay, yeah. Um, like Jim, I mean... I don't like. I mean, I don't like the idea of the bad old days and outside toilets and guys walking about with rickets and neck lumps and all that. And say, so, "Ah, the days were great." No, they weren't. No, they weren't. And they could get potatoes, and there was still muck on them. None of this and process and shite now, right? I don't like all that stuff. But I would have liked to have been uh, between sixty-seven and seventy when Celtic were well, obviously watching old videos and seeing Celtic like beating Leeds United in the semi-final and you think what a team Celtic were you know like one of the best teams in the world not just you know holding our own up here and a wee shock result here and there against you know the way we did in Seville kind of beating oh we get through against Blackburn Liverpool not. we were like the best and it was incredible and, and when I heard Bertie tell him as well about you know the, the people talk, there was three world class players in that team three world class players Tommy Gemmell Jinky and Bobby Murdoch but and see, what you think that what they were? I mean, you know, all things considered, a team to have that quality back then. I, I think I would have loved to have seen that team. You know, that is a team that you know, and uh, and Rangers were actually, as Jim mentioned, were strong as well. So it wasn't as if it was like you know, Brendan Rodgers were just beating them. Blah. So I would have liked football wise. I would have loved to have seen that team because they 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 were the best. They were they were the best. But um, I'm kind of glad. Uh, that I managed, you know, we, we still got to see the brilliant, the brilliant uh, Seville team and all that, and then, the, and then we've had a few wee kind of blips on the way, and now this is as exciting as it gets now as well. I wouldn't like to move into the future now because I just think the world was getting crazier and crazier. You know, yeah. if, if it had been in, if somebody had uh, said, you know, like two years ago, Boris Johnson's going to be the thing, you know, and you know, Trump was it? You'd be like, what? What? No, no, and and all this whole pandemic thing was just, it was just crazy, but. Yeah, it's bad enough now, but it is social media now. It's it, the thing is, like years ago when I was on the radio, you would genuinely get fan mail and a letter. You would get fan people like let, people go up there's your fan mail and go like that and and give you some letters. Oh, Des, I, I saw you and, and you would you'd open them up and read them. Now it's just you just get abuse on Twitter. <laughs> you know, it's just like it doesn't matter what you do. You could have the, you could have the perfect ten out of ten gig, and on Twitter there's somebody going, "I hate you." You're, you know. So all that social media is, that's the horrible side of it. But it's great for like, say, I was, you know, on Saturday there, I was doing a gig in Saturday in the afternoon and we, my wee pal Susie's on stage and I says, I'll just sit over here with my phone off. And Jim knows my phone's always off when I'm doing gigs, professional. But this time I'm sitting there, Twitter, bang, a bad a goal. Twitter, bang, a bad a goal. Twitter, turnbull goal. And I was like, four nothing. So you, you never, the days of the old, uh, you know, like, you could only get the game on Radio Scotland. Remember, was it remember, David Francie? Remember years ago, I remember that as a wee boy. Radio Scotland and it was just we were sitting there listening and all that I remember my dad had like LPs and all that and uh, Celtic are here and I've got an LP of Celtic the European Cup final an LP the divino <laughs> thing where you know you'd play it it was mental it, it was obviously handed down but when you think back to that old depressing radio you know like that's all you had but now it is incredible 
when you try and say back back in the day, like when you were a wee boy, remember there was news flashes. Elvis Presley is dead. Reginald Bosomcat. No, no, no. Now when anything happens, it's just bang, bang. It's instant. You know, social media. It's the most awesome thing, but it's also a horrible thing as well. So I'm kind of glad where we are at the moment. If you know what I mean. Yeah, and as you, you can't uh, you can't tell anybody anything now because they go, oh no, I've seen it on social media. Seen it? They've seen it on social media and. You know, and jokes are ripped off on social media. People, it's just everything is, and it, it, there's no room. Could you imagine? Here's a frightening, I mean, could you, as Jim said, could you imagine Twitter and all that like years ago during Sack the Board? Jim had to go there with all his leaflets and flyers in the rain and all that and give them out, and fans were all falling out of one. But if you'd Twitter and all that, it'd be a different story if you'd all your social media. So, uh, I, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's, uh, it's, fr- it's great. It's great. But there you go. Well, it's, it's when, when you mention radio, uh, I had to. Um, over here, we have two huge events every year, and they're the All Ireland Finals in Gaelic football and hurling. And um, on Sunday, we witnessed uh, a Limerick team that were outstanding, but I only got to see the second half of the game. But I was dropping my mum and dad down to Carlingford. They were going away for two nights, and I uh, dropped them down. But I made sure I was out of the hotel and all in time to listen to the first half while I was driving back on the radio. And I just forgot how good radio commentary is. It was mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. And the speed of a hurling game. And the commentators to keep up. And like they, they were absolutely brilliant. Like you had like they were he was talking about the game, he was giving you running commentary, and then all of a sudden he obviously noticed someone that he knows and he or you know, and, and his father was a bread man from Mullingar and his mother <laughs> oh she, she used to cook the dinner down in the school in Limerick. You had this in you know, and it was just absolutely brilliant. And sometimes I think we need to stop and go back and listen to the radio and don't be relying on, on our phones for because there's nothing Hello. like like the Rangers game, yes, like it's easy to check it's easy to check um to see if, if they're winning or losing mm-hmm. on the phone. Um but to, to listen to it, especially if they've been bet, it'd be great, like, you know. But there is a beauty. There is a beauty, Des, and I know you're walking radio. There is a beauty still in radio. Oh, listen, I, I, I'm a big uh, radio fan. I always have been. I still listen to radio all the time. I, I was on the radio in the breakfast show. I've won three Sony Radio Academy Awards. <clears throat> Thank you. Oh, and, whoa, I know, I know. Whoa, You've got whoa, to mention whoa. it. You know, you know, I don't think MDL has. So uh, that's a How did you win them days? Hey? How did you win them days? By by, uh, that sounded like the most contrived. Um, <laughs> by the by doing the the eight ten sketch, the wind ups. Sean Con, we, we wound up all the celebrities: Sean Connery, Rod Stewart, uh, um, Coolio, uh, who else? Joan Rivers. It was all whoever the Scotland manager. There was one. So that that was that was my wee thing. In the morning, the eight ten sketch, and then we won the, the, the Sony for that. But no, radio is a fantastic medium. And the interesting thing is, radio is still the one medium that is still as effective as it was in the eighties. As now, people still in the car. You know, you've always got the radio on that. You know, people you don't CDs have kind of came and went and all that, and, and the whole spot. You still, I still like the radio. You still like that, and I know what you mean. You, you, you still like a wee a commentary on the car is still it's still better than it's still better than getting onto Twitter, isn't it? And then just you know, an update and all that to hear it, um, the, the description stuff like that. But yes. Um, definitely, yeah. There's always going to be a place for radio in this world. Well, listen, boys, it's been an absolute pleasure to get you on. I wish you the best of luck with the play. Um, and I think there's a podcast in each of you, so maybe you'll come back on as individuals in your own right and have a chat with me in the future. And But uh, before we finish up, Jim, can you just give an update to the listeners how they can get hold of the tickets that are left for the matinee? And please tell us there's going to be another run. 
He, Saturday the 4th of September, at 2 o'clock matinee, uh, Webster's Theatre, the other nights are all sold out. Uh, what happens in the future is up to Mr McLean, because he's a, he's a man very much in demand. It's, uh, he's just put the Vegas, pressure on, isn't he? Oh, <laughs> does. We spoke about Vegas as, as a potential, because Bertie was always in Vegas, and uh, I was speaking to some of the Vegas guys, the guys who were behind Vegas last year about Benelit Brabach, and I think what, ha- what te- I've never been to Vegas, but Des has. But I think what tends to happen is Viva But I think what tends to happen in Vegas, it tends either to be stand-up comedians or music. And I don't think they've ever had a play there, and the fact that the uh, Brabai went down so well, and it's is it is very funny. Uh, there's a chance we could maybe take a play to Vegas. Maybe Bertie's a better bet. Because Bertie, as we said, there's been a fixture over there. So certainly we'll speaking to the guys and depending whether Des is available, then we could look to tour it in Scotland next year. Uh just have to see how it goes next week. I mean, all going well, I'd expect it to go well. And then we can have a wee a wee chat about what happens next. But uh, Des is kind of central to the whole thing and he's very much in demand. So if Des is up for it, certainly, yeah, I'm certainly up for it. It'd be wonderful to see in Vegas. I love that. I'm too busy for Vegas. I'm, uh, I'm playing the I'm playing the Paul Medie Railway Club one Friday night. You know, so the, the, I'm playing the Twecker Miners and Welfare. No, listen, we're quietly confident that this will be a big hit. Quietly confident, very confident, in fact. And then okay, one, game that, yeah. one game at a time. One game at a time, One game at a time. One game at a time. But also, the, uh, we were talking about Twitter and social media and the pros and cons. The good thing about the Celtic family, the whole Celtic family, the Celtic following, the fan base, is that Jim just had to tweet it and then it was like, it just caught fire, retweets. And without even putting it out there, Jim, we were getting people saying, bring it here, bring it to Ireland, bring it to up north, bring it down south, bring it, you know. So already the power, that's that's where Twitter is very good as well. You know, so so we're getting requests to go places and he's right. Uh, Vegas would be a great fit because Bertie was Mr. Vegas. Bertie would go up and do a song. He would tell a few jokes. He would tell stories. He loved Vegas. Bertie was the first guy you saw in the morning at Vegas. He'd be walking about. How are you doing, son? You all right? Aye. That was some time you done last night. Magnificent. Magnificent, son. Brilliant. So he'd always be the first guy you'd see at the airport. He was the first guy you see at Vegas. And they all loved him. He was always there. It just suited him to tea, Vegas. You know, he looks, he looks the kind of guy. Bertie, you know, you could see him. We were saying in the last member of the last podcast, we held up a photo of Bertie and we were saying Bertie looks as though he could be sitting with De Niro and all that and Pitino and all. Yeah, you know, Mr. Ald, you know, he's he's not happy, you know. Hey, you know, he's a lion. He's a lion. He's a fucking Lisbon lion. Listen, guys, I can make you an offer. You couldn't <laughs> refuse. You couldn't. You know, Mr. Ald, he's not happy, you know. He's uh, he's from the Pan Muir gang, you know, in Mary Hill. The Pan Muir. Pan Muir. So you could see Bertie sitting there, you know, Peaky Blinders even. We're going to be the man. We're going to be the man called Bertie Old. Bertie Old. Oh, what if he said off? You're not going to rip this man's head off. He's a Lisbon lion. Right, Arthur. Arthur. See the Peaky Blinders? I like the bonnet. Ronnie Simpson had a similar bonnet. Remember, remember <laughs> Ronnie? Ronnie had a bonnet like Peaky Blinders as well. We put our teeth in it. Chinky put his teeth in it. Magnificent. Arthur, we're going to see a man called Bertie Old. He's a legend. He's a lion. That's right. And he's magnificent. So there you go. I hope you watch Peaky Blinders otherwise that's just been oh, magnificent, magnificent lads uh, what can I say um, I just finished with 
There is a famous picture of Bertie in Las Vegas with Mr. T. I don't know if you've seen that. <laughs> That's just what a meeting of minds that is. Yeah. Hey, fool. Hey, fool. Hey, old. Hey, old. I'm going to crucify you, old. Ah, you won't crucify him. I'll stiffen you. <laughs> see you, T. I'll stiffen you. See that Mr. T? I just stiffened him. Me and we, me and we like, try to have a go at me in the wing. Hey, fool. <laughs> I'm just laughing at, of course, Bertie and Mr. T. Brilliant. Yeah, we had we had Jackie Meaton, who's who's who started the, one of the lads oh, that started the federation, definitely. and um, we had him on the podcast. And I was just looking, just looking for on his uh, Facebook page for some some pictures, and there's this brilliant picture, and there's um, Franco from the Brazen had a lot of mushrooms in it. Tommy Carby's in the picture, and a couple of other um, couple of other old uh, old timers, we say, from the Celtic scene. And there's a wonderful picture. I'll actually, I'll actually post it up again um, when we put the put the podcast out. So. Folks, best of luck with the play, and thank you very much. And I look forward to getting you both back on the show uh, again. So thank you so much. Cheers, thank Andrew. You. Nice having you, Andrew. Cheers. Bend it like Bertie. Don't forget to grab a ticket, folks, before the last show is sold out. That's the first time I've spoken to Des. Uh, can't help but uh, like someone who makes you laugh, can you? And it was great to catch up with Jim. Uh, Jim became a regular at Selig AM. I didn't know Jim before I started doing the show, and... He joined me on stage to talk about the play and brought in the actors from, from uh, Bendit like right back who were all Celtic fans as well. So it was wonderful to have them all on stage. And because of Celtic AM, Jim found out about Celtic Memories and it was lovely to hear him say that because uh, it's a wonderful charity and uh, something that, as I said in the interview, is kind of getting closer to m- myself now. And I think a lot of people uh, go through it and it's, 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 it's a sad, uh, it's sad, you know. Um, but look, anyway, two good cells there. Don't forget, folks, you can find us across all social media. Don't forget to visit the YouTube channel, visit the podcast, like us, subscribe, whatever you need to do, uh, and hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. You'll see all the Talk of the Terrace, Grandel podcast, a few other bits and pieces. Don't forget to visit the website, SeltlyFans.com, news and articles on that, the video content, all the podcasts are up there as well. And uh, you can even click in and book uh, the Art Hotel in Glasgow, who are thankfully... Again, back as our partner hotel for this season, and we hope to add some more partners uh, as the season progresses and as Glasgow starts to open up for business. Don't forget, if you want to sponsor an episode, we're fully fan-funded, and you can do so by emailing us at info at So that's a shout-out to selling-minded businesses who share our values and selling supporters clubs who can't afford to give us a wee sponsor. And we really appreciate everybody who sponsors us and this episode, of course, we thank Logan Selick Supports Club up in County Armagh. So that's it, folks. Uh, thanks for reading, watching and listening. Don't forget we have the latest Grand Isle History podcast, which is on Johnny Doyle, Celtic Daft, as we call it. And it's because of the book of the same name by Paul McQuaid. And we will be back after the international break with Talk From The Terrace. with a couple of guests lined up for that. So I'm looking forward to chatting to them as well. And we'll be back. Not next Friday, but the Friday after with the Celtic Soul podcast because it's International Week and we always take a little break during the internationals. And I have to say thanks very much to everybody who wished me a happy birthday for the big 5-0. Yeah, I'm 50 now and uh, I have to say I did start celebrating in late July and um, if we do beat Rangers on Sunday, I think I might be celebrating for another week. But after that, I'm going to have to uh, start behaving myself and getting knuckling down and getting back to some kind of normality because I have to say I did go a little bit mad when the beer gardens opened and so forth 
because it was uh, such a long time and such a long winter. But it's great now. Back to the football, back having a few points and back talking to all the lads in the pub about the football show. What more could you want? So let's hope Angie keeps the party going on Sunday. Keep the faith, folks. Stay safe. I'll see you in Glasgow soon or maybe on an away day. And we will play it with UB40, RIP, Brian Travels.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.